Thank you, Carrie, for reading scripture for us today. As I mentioned earlier in our prayer, that we're starting our new church year, uh, 2020 to 2021. Our theme for this new church year is abide, alive in, abide in Christ, bear much fruit. Our goal and our hope and our prayer is that we will continue to grow deeper in the Lord continue to grow both in knowledge, but also in obedience, deeper and deeper in our Lord Jesus Christ. But as we grow deeper and deeper in with Jesus, we hope that it will continue to grow wider and wider, that the kingdom of God may be expanded from here in SGV to the ends of the earth. So that's the goal that we have, and that's what we are, we're leaning into this coming year. One unique thing we're going to do this year is this. Uh, we're going to spend a whole lot of time in one chapter of the Bible, um, Carrie, our sister, just read a portion of that. We'll be spending a whole lot of time in John 15. And you may be wondering, why do we need to spend so much time in John 15? Is it because we don't, we're too lazy to preach from other texts? We're too lazy to read other parts? Uh, obviously, that's not the case. But one of the reasons why we chose John 15 is because it is critical to the mission of Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 13, John chapter uh, 17, it was the last teaching. Some have called it the farewell discourse, meaning the last teaching that Jesus had with his disciples. And it was at that teaching, after that teaching, Jesus would be arrested, crucified, and resurrected. And so we see that Jesus have given them a command to go and make disciples of all nations, but Jesus never intended for them to do it on their own. And so what Jesus did was teaching them these basics, these foundational, some might even consider to be too simple, yet they are critical to the mission and the purpose of God in this world. So we've decided that we will spend a good portion of our time, and in this chapter particularly, to mind the truth and the teaching that Jesus had for us. You see, Jesus called us to make disciples of all the nations. Not some nation, not 50%, not 80%, not 99%, but all of the nations. And we have the same vision in our, in, our, in our community here as well. That is our church vision to see that every, all 1.4 million people in this uh, San Gabriel Valley area will get the chance to become, to follow Jesus and to be disciple of Christ. We we'll put this map up many, many times in prayer and in sermons. One of the things we want to see, we envision, and we, we believe that God wants us to do is to reach out to the 1.4 million people who have yet to have a relationship with Jesus. But you might think, okay, so in order to do that, we need to kind of focus on them. But as we focus on John 15, we see that the first priority, not that we shouldn't focus on the 1.4 million, we need to first focus actually, Jesus said, on the 400,000 uh, followers of Jesus, you and me. That our priorities, we must be invested in Jesus. We must be abiding in Jesus. We must be alive in Jesus. So that the 400,000 believers in this community in St. Gabriel Valley, all 32 of these cities, will be mobilized to go reach out to those 1.4 million people. So when we throw around numbers like that, thousands and millions, it's just really hard to see that working. But we also see the example of Jesus leaving the 12 or 11 at the time. And through the obedience to what Jesus had taught, Christianity expanded. 
completely unseen by the people, unforeseen by the people at the time. And I believe the same thing can happen to us today just as it has happened over 2,000 years ago. And so we'll be spending a lot of time, John 15, I'll give you a little roadmap. We'll be spending the first three weeks starting today on John 15, chapter 15, verse 1 to 11. We're going to talk about what does it mean to abide in Christ? What does it mean to bear fruit? And we'll take a little break because we're going to take a break. Uh, we have our annual mission conference, Missions Month, at the end of September to October for four weeks. And we're going to have some speakers coming and sharing what God is doing around the world and how we can participate in that, whether through prayer, through giving, or for some, maybe preparing to go. And then after that, from the end of October till the end of this calendar year, 2020, before Christmas, we're going to spend majority of that time talking about the rest of John 15, verse, I believe, verse 12 to verse 30. Uh, 27, we'll be talking about seven distinctive, seven DNAs of a great commission disciple. What does it mean for us to live? What do we need? What kind of values do we have as a great commission disciple of Jesus? And our hope is that by the time we turn the corner in 2021, we will be launching out and continue to reach out to those who have yet to know Christ. So I'm really excited about what we're going to do. Uh, one of the things we want to incorporate, uh, we did it maybe a year or two years ago, when we were going through the series of first, the book, uh, the epistle of 1 John, is we want to help you to engage the Word of God, not just on a Sunday environment, as you watch online, or in your small group, as you uh, do your Bible study, but also engaging you in memorizing the Word of God. So every week, from now till the end of the calendar year, we'll be reciting a remembering, committing a memory for one verse in John chapter 15. We're going to focus on John chapter 15, verse 1 to 11. And so today we'll start from the very first verse, John 15, 1. So if you, you should see it on your screen. I want us to read it together. Here's what it says. John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. We've got an easy one today. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So every week, we'll build up another verse. And my, my challenge for you, whether you as a family, you as siblings, you as a small group, that you will commit these 11 verses to memory. And by the end, by the first week of January, if you individually or you as a group can record and re you reciting these 11 verses, we have a small gift to give to you. Uh, we realize that uh, God's word is a reward in and of itself, but a little bit of a tangible reward can help, can go a long way. So I want to encourage you, and we're not trying to bribe you, but hopefully it will be encouragement to you to uh, commit these words in prayer because they are just so important. If we are to fulfill the mission of Jesus right here in St. Gabriel Valley and to the ends of the earth. So this week, John 15, 1. Next week, we'll go John 15, 1 and 2, Okay. So today we're going to start our new mini-series, three-part series on John 15, verse 1 to 11. And today I'm going to talk mainly about this one word, which is abide. Abide. I'll teach you a little Greek. The word actually is very simple, even shorter than abide. Only four letters is meno. Meno, abide. What does it mean to abide? What does it mean to, to meno? In fact, this word is used so often in the book of John. That in the gospel of John, it was used over 30 times, 34 times to be exact. And 19 times in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. 
between this word remaining or abiding, some translations have it, and the word love, I believe those two are the, the two key truths and principles that the Apostle John wanted his audience to remember to live out. But here's the thing about abiding, even the word love. Sometimes that, that, those words become very foggy in our mind. Right? We, what does it mean to love? Like there's so many definitions. Sometimes we we just live in this stratosphere of, of thinking in a very vague way of what these words mean. The same is true about abide. Like we know that we're supposed to connect with Jesus. We're supposed to be remaining. Like, but when you ask a, most people, what does it mean to abide and remain? We find it hard to describe what it looks like. What, is it, what does it look like in our lives? What does it look like individually as Christians, as disciples, but also corporately as a church? So I want to spend a little time today to just focus on that word abide. Abide. What does it mean for us to abide? One of the uh, mistakes that I think a lot of us make is when we think of the word abide and connect with Jesus, we have this image in our head, this analogy in our head is, is like us plugging in the phone to a battery. Like when we think of connecting, it's like I'm plugging in Jesus just like I'm plugging in my phone. I need energy. I need power. I need juice. As the kids would say, you know, they, they, they'll need connection so that they can carry out the things that they do, which in and of itself is not a wrong. It's not completely wrong. But I would challenge us to think as we look at John 15 today, that is an incomplete analogy. I don't know if you ever had that happen to you, I've, uh, that you have run out of battery or you're really close to running out of battery on your phone. Uh, I'm very famous in our house, in our family, to do that all the time. I like to let things, sometimes even my, the gas in my car to run really low. I want to cut it as close as possible before I go get gas or charge my phone. And it actually happened to us once uh, we were on the way to Paso Robles. Uh, we haven't visited this ranch for many years uh, by, by, by the provision and the grace of a uh, uh, family that we get to go and visit and literally just beautiful place. But the problem of that ranch is that it is hidden in some mountain up in Paso Robles. That there's no, uh, you can go on freeway and then some street. Then after a while, you are literally on dirt road for about an hour. And so last time we were there, we were driving, and I realized that we're not having a full tank of gas, which is fine. I know we have enough gas. But when I was looking at my phone, I started seeing that my phone is not charged as much as I would like. In fact, it was draining quickly. One of the reasons why is because there's no reception in that place. So the closer we get to the dirt road, the, my phone is draining of out of battery as, as quickly as possible. And at first I was thinking, should I charge it? Should I not? And, and my wife has a phone. Should we use her phone? One of the dangers about traveling on a dirt road is you literally is in the middle of nowhere. In the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, we haven't been here for a while. I kind of remember how to get to the ranch and through this dirt road. And just to give you a picture, this dirt road is covered by trees. And everywhere you go, it looks almost exactly the same. Like in my mind, I keep thinking like, like Batman going to his bad cave. You know how there's a stretch, there's nothing, it's pitch black. It was kind of like that. And so my phone battery is dying, and I was like, okay, we cannot manage to do this anymore. We have to plug it in. Because otherwise, if you keep searching for signal, it's going to drain my battery even faster. So literally, what I did was just plug my, my phone into the, the, the charger in our, our car. I would just keep going, and you can tell it's not charging it up because it's working so hard, right? And it just keeps, as it's charging, I'm using it a lot. 
And by, by God's grace, we finally get there safely, even though we went the super long route that we, were, we, we didn't go before. But somehow, God had helped us to get there safely. You see, when I think about that story, when I think about charging, a lot of times I feel like that's kind of what we do. We just kind of charge it along the way and just kind of do things. Like, I don't feel like I have enough power, so I'm just going to charge it a little bit. And now I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to charge it a little bit and do my thing. And a lot of us, right, overnight you might charge your phone. The next day what happens? You just take your phone out. You don't let, let it continue to charge. You just take it out and then just go. And the same way for me when I was traveling, I was charging it, taking it off, charging it, taking it off. Because I feel like if I charge it too much, it's going to run out of the gas. My car won't have enough gas to get to the destination. You see, when we think of abiding in that mentality, what happens a lot of times is this. That somehow mistakenly we think that we can charge and we can unplug and do our thing. I can charge long enough, maybe an hour, 15 minutes on Sunday, but I can live the rest of my, of my week all six days and two hours, uh, 23 hours, uh, 24, two hours and, and 45 minutes, I can be on my own. That perhaps I can charge my phone, my life to Jesus for the first 15 minutes of the day and I can live the rest of my, my day without Jesus. And along the way, if I need a little pick-me-up, I'll charge it again. I'll get connected with Jesus. And I can go on on my own. And that's where the danger comes in when we think of abiding, like plugging into the battery, charging our phone. You see, the image that Jesus gave us here is so much more than that. It's so much more than just plugging it and plugging it. It's so much more than you just need a little bit of Jesus and then you can go on your own way. I want to share with us maybe three observations that we find in this passage. John chapter 15. First one I want to share with, it with us is this. That abiding in Christ is not optional, but is essential. That our connection to Jesus is never optional, but always essential. That seems to be the buzzword these days, right, in COVID. Like, are you an essential business, non-essential business? You see, connecting with Jesus, abiding with Jesus is always, always, always essential. I want us to take a look in John 15, verse 4. Here's what it says. Jesus saying, abide in me and I in you. And look at the imagery here. He's talking of, he's divine. The father is a gardener, the vine dresser, and you're the branch. And hear what he says. You need to abide in me. Look at this part. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I want you to hear the finality of that phrase. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. You see, Jesus is not saying, apart from me, you can do something. Apart from me, you can do a good portion of things. Jesus said apart from him, when you're disconnected with him, when you're not abiding in him, you can do nothing. It is not an option that you say, oh, I kind of want some Jesus and I'll do his thing on my own. He says, it's all or nothing. Either you're connected with me and do my thing, or you're disconnected with me and you do nothing. 
And you might be thinking, well, I, I do a lot of things. I mean, the sad part of this is actually we do a whole lot of things without Jesus. But think about it. There are days that you go by that you never gave thought to Jesus, and you're like, I'm doing a whole lot of things. We'll revisit that later in two weeks when we talk about fruit. What kind of fruit is Jesus talking about here? But the point I want to make here is simply this. Do not mistaken doing things, busy with things, or doing God things. Don't ever mix that up but that you're doing a whole lot of things. That's actually what God wants you to do. That good things are God things. And oftentimes, good things might not actually be God things. And you may be actually doing a whole lot of good things, but you're not doing it in such a way that brings glory to God and love to God and love to people. That good things is not a God thing. So Jesus is saying, if you are not connected, abiding in me, whatever good things you think you are doing, even successful things that you're doing, you are doing actually nothing. Because it is essential for you to do the God thing with Jesus. Let me kind of illustrate that for us a little bit. Imagine if I ask my kids, which I do, my three boys to go do dishes. They're supposed to wash the dishes. And so after they heard me telling them to go, they immediately go to, not to the kitchen where the faucet or the sink is, they went to their room. They go online and start checking, oh, well, how does a faucet work? They start Googling and doing research and say, how does the water system work in California in Los Angeles? Hey, let's research about what that soap, what soap is best for the grease that dad had left on the stove. They start looking on Sam's Club and Costco. They do a price check. Then they finally got to the kitchen. They said, oh, mm, I don't know. This may not be a good idea. Let's go back and do some more research. And after three hours of research, I showed up in, not in the kitchen and find him still in the room. Imagine if I asked him, boys, did you do the dishes? And their answer was, yes, dad, we, we, well, no, we didn't, but we did a whole lot of other things. We learned about which soap is the best price, which soap can clean the grease the best. We even learned about how California bring water into our house. See, they did a whole lot of things, but they did not do the one thing that I have asked them to do. To wash the dishes. You see, abiding in Jesus is never optional. It's always essential. If you want to live the life that you're made and saved to live, you need Jesus. And I think sometimes we can do a whole lot on our own that we actually don't feel like we need Jesus in our Christian life. And sadly to say, sometimes even in church, we can do a whole lot of things in our own power. And therefore, we don't feel that abiding in Christ is essential. Because we've settled for good things, but not the God things. That's the first thing, first thing we see. Abiding in Christ is never optional. It is always, always essential. Here's the second thing we see. Second observation here is this. That abiding in Christ requires constant connection with Christ. Abiding in Christ requires constant connection with Christ. I want to imagine, or if not, look at the picture we have on the screen. Never is a branch at any moment of the branch's life can be separated from the vine. 
There's no line that, in fact, if you want to draw a line where the vine and the branch is the separated part, is a connector, you can't really draw it. You can most likely draw it right here, the, the, the edge where they touch each other. But is it really that one millimeter that is a separation point? You can't. There's no definitive line because the vine and the branches are always, always, always connected. See, many of us, when we think of abiding in Christ, we're drawing those lines in our lives. It is so easy for us to compartmentalize our life and say, this is my spiritual life. This is my work life. This is my entertainment life. This is my Netflix life. This is my physical eating life. This is my travel life. And we start drawing these boxes that in God's eye, he said, I never have those boxes in your life. Everything as a follower of Jesus Christ is a spiritual life. Every box that you drew should be um, coming under the reign and the control of Jesus Christ. And this is why abiding is not a one-time thing. It is a constant thing. That what you do at school, that ought to be coming out of the overflow of abiding in Christ. That you don't just abide in Christ in the first 15 minutes of your day when you pray and read God's word and then you show up at work or on your Zoom call in your, your classroom and say, now this is my school life. I don't need to abide in Jesus anymore. It is so easy for us to, to associate abiding with Christ, abiding in Christ just by what we do. Spiritual discipline is not in this self-abiding in Christ. I'm all for spiritual discipline. I'm all for reading God's Word. I'm all for praying. I'm all for fasting. I'm all for solitude. I'm all for many attending church. I'm all for listening to sermons. But all those things are a means to an end. See, abiding in Christ is not just spiritual discipline. Because if that is the case, then how can you read the Word of God for 24 hours a day, seven days a week? How can you pray forever, every single day of your life, every moment, every minute? If abiding in Christ means I need to show up at church, that means you need to live at church. See, abiding in Christ ought to mean more than just doing spiritual activity. All those activities, all those disciplines are meant to be a means to an end. The end is worship Jesus. The means is to read God's word. The means is to pray. The means is to set aside time to do life with one another and brothers and sisters. To be the church. To be the hands and feet of blessing to those who are less fortunate. That's what, those are the means to an end is to worship Jesus. But so often it's so easy for us to confuse the two and think that if I just do spiritual things... That is abiding in Christ. But abiding in Christ goes beyond that. It's not less than spiritual discipline. It will never be less than spiritual discipline, but it has so much more than that. Because that spiritual discipline allows us to experience, to connect with Jesus. Which leads us actually to the, um, uh, to the third point I want to make is this. The third observation is that abiding in Christ always takes place in the con context of loving relationship. 
abiding in Christ always center into the context of loving relationship. When I think about relationship, any healthy relationship, it ought to go both ways. It's a two-way street. A good, healthy relationship requires two-way direction. Going back a little bit to the recharging battery analogy, recharging is only a one-way thing. The phone take battery, take energy from the, from the charger. It's a one-way direction. But the way we, when we look at John 15, Jesus has something completely different. It is always a two-way thing when we're combi- com- abiding and connecting with Jesus. Look at verse 4 again with me. John 15, verse 4 to 5. These repetition of in me, in you, Jesus in me, uh, you in Jesus. In fact, it was, it was flooded all over in John chapter 13 to 17. But I want to pick these two verses since we're focusing here. Here's what it says. Jesus saying, abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, abiding in Christ is not just grabbing onto Jesus and not let go. In fact, Jesus painted us a picture here is, Jesus is already holding on to us. And as Jesus is holding on to us, we are holding on to Jesus. That's what that connection works. That's how the relationship works is we are holding on to Jesus as Jesus is holding on to us. I kind of think of it like shaking someone's hand. If you're someone next to someone and your family member, shake their hand. And, and, and by the moment you shake their hand, what you realize is you feel like you're holding that person's hand, which is true. But on the other hand, from that person's perspective, that person is also holding your hand. And I think when I think of abiding, that's how it works is Jesus is holding on to us. And when we abide in him, we're holding on to Jesus back. And it is this two-way relationship that is involved in abiding. But here's the thing. We see Jesus holding on to us already. Jesus who always fulfilled his side of the bargain. But it is on our side of the bargain. Are we holding on to Jesus? Jesus said, I'm abiding in you. I'm in you. I'm holding on to you. But are you holding on to me? See, not only a healthy relationship, any relationship. We see here, Jesus pointed out for us that abiding involves love. Love is the center of that relationship. See, abiding is never just drudgery. I think sometimes I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm worried that when we think of abiding in Jesus, it is an ultimate killjoy. It is just a routine. It is just a, out of grits and discipline. I'm going to abide in Jesus. But when Jesus talks about abiding, there is this beautiful picture of love and joy. Look at what it says, John 15, 9 and 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. See, Jesus called you to abide in him. He is not calling you to, so that you will experience discipline, so that you will get a routine, so that you will be a soldier. He called you to abide in his love, in the same love that he has received from God the Father. It is out of love that Jesus wants you to hold on to him as he's holding on to you. 
But not only love, he went on to say in verse 11 that these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See, Jesus wants us to abide in him, not just to get us to do things for him. Jesus did not want us to abide in him so that we can just be obedient soldiers carrying out the task that he had given to us. Ultimately, he wants us to abide in him because he wants to satisfy our hearts. He wants, us to give, he wants to give us the joy that nothing in this world can give us. He wants to fill our bucket of joy to the brim, to a complete, full joy. When I'm reading about this, it reminds me of a baby and a mother or a parent. I have the privilege of carrying, and my wife and I are carrying our three boys when they're young and a baby. If you ever come across a baby, a young child, one of the unique things is that they, when they are being hold, held on to, oftentimes what they do is they, it's really cute, and they try to put their hands, and try to, try to hug you back, they try to grab onto you because there's a sense of security to that. But the funny thing is their hands are so small, their arms so short, they can't really wrap around. They, so they do their best to hold on to their mom, to their dad. But all the while, they are in. They're being embraced fully by their mother, by their father. See, the baby doesn't need a whole lot. I mean, they need food and they change the diaper. But what they need most is the love and joy and satisfaction the security in the arms of their father and the mother. And that's why they, they feel so secure, so safe, that their joy is literally be full. They can care less even giving them a toy at that age because they just needed the security, the love of the father. And that's exactly what Jesus is getting at. That abiding in him, and by abiding in him, by holding on to him, being held by him, we experience the fullness of love and joy. And so we see how abiding is not an optional thing, it's an essential thing. We see abiding takes place in the context of love and joy in a relationship. We also see that abiding, it, it requires us to be constantly in connection with Jesus, that we don't get to compartmentalize and just do it once in a while and hope it lasts forever. So I want to get a little more practical here. What does it mean then for us to abide? If it is so important, then what does it mean for us to abide? I want to go back to the very beginning of this passage. In John chapter 15, verse 1 to 2. I want us to see and hear the role of the people involved in this analogy that Jesus is giving. John 15, verse 1 and 2 says this. I am Jesus speaking. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Jesus tells us he is the vine. God the Father is a vine dresser. He's the gardener. You and I are the branches. You and I are the branches. But what I want you to notice here is this, that the branches can actually be connected to the wrong false vine. That not every branch being made are already grafted into the true vine. There's a reason why Jesus said, I am the true vine. Implying that there are false vines. 
There are wrong vines. There are vines that may perhaps give you some power, give you some energy, but yet those vines are not ultimately satisfying. So what does it mean for us to abide in Christ? I think first we need to understand this. For those of us who are not a follower of Jesus Christ, for those of us who, have not, uh, been, uh, who are not a Christian, abiding in Jesus does not come when we're born into this world. In fact, the Bible tells us none of us in the first place abide in Jesus. None of us are grafted into the true vine because all of us are connecting ourselves to the false vine. And so what do you need to do to abide in Jesus? I think it starts with surrendering your life to King Jesus. So the first thing that we need to do is to surrender our lives to King Jesus. That is the first thing you need to do. If you want to abide in Jesus, you cannot abide if you're not connected in the first place. See, abiding on one level is a status of our relationship with Jesus. If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus and call him as your king and call him as your savior and call him as your Lord, then you are not crafted in the first place. And here's the scary thing. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, there will be, at the end of the day, there will be people who just call with their mouths that Jesus is their Lord. And at the end of the time, Jesus said, I never knew you. So surrendering our lives is, 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 is not just praying a prayer. But really, internally, you say, Jesus, I, wanna, I know that I've sinned. I want to repent of all that I've done, being, being self-centered. I want to believe in you that you are my Lord, you are my Savior. You died on the cross, raised from the dead, so that I now have an opportunity for new life. And I'm committing to follow you. I'm committing to let go of my own life and put it in your hands. And trust that wherever you lead me, I will follow and so one of the most practical things for us to do, and particularly for those of us who have yet to surrender our lives to Jesus, if you want to abide in Jesus, you need to put your faith in Jesus. And let me just say very honestly and, and maybe may a little bit too truthful for some, particularly to those of us who've been in church for a long time, never mistaken being at church means that you've surrendered your life to Jesus. Never associate by what you do only with who you are with Christ. And perhaps you're listening, you've been in church all your life, but you have never actually surrendered your life to Jesus. You never repented of your sin. You never believed that Jesus is your Savior, is your Lord. You never committed to follow Him. I want to encourage you. Make today to be the day of surrender so that you can be grafted into the true vine. So for those who don't know Jesus, who have yet to do that, that is your action step. That is the practically how you're going to abide because once you are grafted into the true vine, which leads to for the rest of us who are believers, that is not a one and done situation. God calls us to abide continuously, constantly with him. So what does that mean for us then? So for those of us who are believers, here's what, we're, what, what this abiding to, in Jesus Christ means. It means that we will choose Jesus all day, every day. That we will choose Jesus Christ all day, every day in our lives. So we'll make the decision to choose him over everything. See, abiding in Jesus, where do you know that Jesus is holding, abiding in us? 
His end of the bargain is already met. But the question is, are we choosing Jesus? Are we holding on to him? And by abiding practically means that we're going to choose him over everything else. By abiding in Jesus means we're going to choose Jesus over even my own desire. I'm going to choose Jesus' word over my Instagram feed. By abiding in Jesus means I'm going to choose Jesus' warning over my own fleshly desires. I'm going to choose Jesus' spirit in me, the spirit of God in me, over my own emotions. Abiding in Jesus means I'm going to choose, choose to be alone with him more, to be part, more than what I want to do with other people. Choosing Jesus means I'm going to trust in his power even when I find no power. Abiding in Jesus means I'm going to choose Jesus' grace and forgiveness in my life over all the, the noises that I hear in my own heart of accusation from, from, from the enemy, the guilt that he wants me to dwell on. Choosing Jesus means, uh, abiding Jesus means I'm going to choose spending time with my Lord Jesus over than spending time doing whatever that I find entertainment in. Choosing Jesus means I'm going to bow before him instead of bowing to the idols of this world. Choosing Jesus over myself, choosing Jesus over the world. That is a daily decision. That is a daily attitude. That is a daily, daily action. Every decision, every action, every relationship that we have, we need to choose Jesus over whatever that we would like to have on our own. Or even what the best thing that this world can offer to us. So what does it mean for us to abide in Jesus means that you and I need to choose Jesus every single day, all day, every day. And when we choose Jesus, Jesus will be glorified in my life. When I choose Jesus, Jesus is going to help me to obey him in all that I do. And so it doesn't matter where I work, live, play, and study. Jesus will come out of my, my overflow, my heart, and my actions, and my interaction. See, abiding is so much more than just plucking to Jesus and charging our lives and do our own thing. Abiding in Jesus means we're going to choose Jesus every single time. Jesus says, apart from him, we can do nothing. But the opposite is also true that when we are abiding in Jesus, choosing Jesus, nothing is impossible. Even what we saw earlier, the vision of 400,000 people reaching out to 1.4 million people, it can be done because when we abide in Jesus, when we choose Jesus, when every one of 400,000 people choose Jesus, Jesus will be made known in all of St. Gabriel Valley and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for your love for us. As the Father has shown love to you, you now show love to us. Thank you for reaching across from heaven to earth to die for us so that we have an opportunity to be grafted into the true vine. 
And for every person who have yet to surrender their life, God, I pray for them right now that inwardly they will exchange their lives to you. They will surrender themselves to you so that you can take full control of their lives. God, give us the power to choose you every single day, this coming week, every day, all day, every day. Whether we're at school, whether we're at home, whether we're with our parents, whether we're with our coworkers, with our kids, Lord, help us to choose you. Lord, we believe as we abide in you, you will help us to bear much fruit. So Lord, thank you for your word and for your challenge for us. May you fill our hearts with your love and complete the joy that we can only get from you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. COVID, uh, CMC will continue this year. And because actually because of COVID, uh, we're a, a, the opportunity to meet um, digitally, actually open up more doors for people to attend um, CMC. So this year we're going to have CMC in two different ways. First, we're going to have a one-day, ha- actually a half-day conference on September 26th on a Saturday from 1 to 5. The main speaker of that day was uh, is, uh, is going to be uh, David Platt. He's the pastor of McLean Bible Church. Uh, previously, IMB president. And uh, also for December, we will also have a multiple days uh, event that are filled with spe- different speakers, Francis Chan, um, David Platt, and multiple other speakers, both in English and Chinese. There will be workshops involved. But for now, we'll get we'll, we'll want to focus on September 1st. Uh, you can go onto the website or scan the, the QR code, and you can go and sign up, register all of this for free. And we hope that you can uh, be exposed and to what God is doing. And, and we're actually going to kick off our church uh, missions month with that Saturday and kind of roll us into uh, hearing and being challenged more about the global glory of Jesus Christ in this world. So hopefully you can join us. Uh, let's end our worship service. Uh, we, instead of the Great Commission, we're going to recite and uh, read out loud the memory verse for that week. So today we're going to go to John 15, chapter, one, uh, John chapter 15, verse 1. Here's what it says. Let's say it together. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Let's commit this into memory this week, and also let that be a reminder how we need to abide into, our, into the true vine. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity to worship you. Thank you for being the true vine in our lives that give us joy and love that no other vine can provide for us. So God, help us to choose you. Help us to choose you over all, all day, every day. Whatever that we're doing, whatever that we're thinking, whoever we're with, Lord, help us to choose you and glorify you in all that we say, do, or think. So bless us this week. Help us to live for you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.